Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. You just trust. Believe. My life has always been touched by the odd and unexplainable, but this is potentially the most chilling story I have to offer. Throughout my entire childhood, I was haunted, for lack of a better word, by a shadow figure that I have since come to learn is commonly known as the Hat Man. My parents often recounted stories of me having night terrors where I would start shrieking at the top of my lungs, eyes wide open but totally asleep. Dad said I wouldn't stop until he said the Lord's Prayer over me. My mom even swears that one night while she was lying in bed, she saw a tall man in an overcoat and hat walk into my room. She had a clear view into my room from her bed. Panicked, she jumped out of bed and ran into my room, only to see a strange white mist hovering over my body. As soon as she approached my bedside, it disappeared. I didn't start to see the hat man myself until high school. He would pay me frequent visits at night, often standing in my doorway or by the foot of my bed. I often had experiences where I would both feel and see the weight of someone sitting on my bed, depressing the covers, or would feel someone grab my feet. I would often hear my name called, sometimes a whisper, sometimes a shout that jolted me awake. More than once, my entire mattress was pushed hard enough to rattle my bed frame and jingle the martial arts medals that were hanging over my head. The experiences got more intense when I went to college. In my second year, I experienced a period of three days where I dreamt of the hat man standing in my dorm, getting closer and closer to my bed each night until on the third night, he tugged my leg so hard that I woke up. The next morning, I casually asked my roommate if she had any odd dreams lately. I hadn't told her about the dreams I had been having, nor had I previously shared with her my experiences with the hat man, as I didn't want to scare her. She was skeptical but knew that I was very spiritual and that odd things often happened around me. My roommate replied no at first. But after a moment's thought, she added, Well, actually, okay, this is going to sound weird, but 
for the past few nights, I felt like I would wake up around two or three and thought I saw a dark man standing by your bed. Last night, he was directly next to you. But that has to just be a dream. There's no way someone was actually in our room. I felt the blood drain from my face. Shakily, I confessed to her what I had been experiencing. I had some friends from church come over that night to do a group prayer circle to cleanse our room. The hat man didn't return to our room for the rest of that year, as far as I can recall. But we had frequent issues with our electricity and heating that other rooms on our floor didn't seem to deal with. I'm still friends with that roommate, and whenever we reflect on this time in our lives, she often says that our time together had made a believer out of her. I'm in my 30s now and have since managed to completely banish the hat man out of my life. I'm still a magnet for the paranormal, but after leaving the church and embracing my path of Celtic witchcraft, I'm much less afraid of the things that go bump in the night and more confident in my ability to keep negative energies out of my presence. For any listeners who might be dealing with this entity or something similar, the best advice I can give is to have confidence in your own personal authority and show no fear. We humans have a lot more power to protect ourselves than we might realize. I grew up in a small town on the east coast of Canada. My family came from France in 1702 and lived on a piece of land granted to them by the authorities at that time. The house burned down and was rebuilt a couple of times, but the land was passed down for generations. When my father got married, he was gifted a plot of this land, and my parents built my childhood home there, where they lived until 2021. As a young child, I was quite close to my father's mother, whom we called Nanny. She lived less than one kilometer away on a private road that ran between our homes. I would often walk up the road to visit her, and she would sing me songs from her youth, take me to the small corner store in town, and we would just hang out. We had really good times together. As time went on, there was a big family rift between my parents and my father's siblings, then my nan developed dementia. She was moved into a nursing home, and the historic family home and the land were unjustly sold. Luckily, my sibling's father and I were able to go through the house before it was gutted to gather some keepsakes. Among those things were some old wooden rocking chairs that had been in the family for ages. The seats were broken and rotted out, but my dad knew that he could fix them up when he had some free time. In 2013, my nanny passed away, and due to the thick family tension, I didn't get to visit her in the nursing home or attend her funeral for one final goodbye. I truly regret this as an adult today, but I can't change the past. In 2018, I moved into my own place, which was in a different area, about two hours away from my hometown. It was a whole house that was semi-furnished, so naturally... I looked to my parents for some cast-off furniture. By this time, my father had been able to repair and restore the rocking chairs that he saved from my late nan's house. He offered me a lovely brown one with a carved back and a new white and brown woven seat. 
I was happy to have it and thankful to have a piece of my family history. Shortly after bringing it to my new place, the chair started to make me uncomfortable. It sat in my living room, facing the kitchen. While I cooked dinner and washed dishes, I had an overwhelming sense of being watched. I felt dread walking towards and past it. I just couldn't relax with it nearby. There seemed to be some strong and overwhelming feeling of unhappiness around this chair. As much as I tried to ignore this heavy feeling for the next couple of days, I finally decided to move the chair to the back bedroom so I could be comfortable in my own home. Well, time went on. I met a guy and we bought a house. We moved in early 2023. Of course, I moved the chair with us, the daunting feelings almost forgotten. First, it was in the kitchen, but before long, I had moved it to another room just to ease my mind. No matter how hard I tried to ignore it, my body screamed at me whenever I turned my back to this chair. With the magnitude of the feeling, I always expected to see some kind of figure sitting there staring at me, but there was nothing, ever. The last stop for the chair was the basement near the wood stove. This didn't work either, as it was in view of the stairs. I started to notice my vision clouding and jumping as I reached the last two or three steps at the bottom. The sensation of somebody walking very closely behind me was present as I went up the steps. My skin crawled, and it took everything in me not to bolt up those stairs every time. At my wit's end and honestly fearing a piece of furniture, I casually brought the chair up to my mother during our next chat. I told her I had not used it and had no place for it in the house. She was shockingly delighted to take it back, saying that she had the perfect spot for it. Having listened to my fair share of supernatural podcasts, I never once mentioned my unease in the presence of the chair, or to anyone for that matter until I moved out. When I did bring it up to my partner and parents, they thought that I was being crazy. Though I have not experienced any other supernatural things in my life, I'm confident that these experiences were real. I have since seen the chair in its new home and literally had to look for it in the room. No more bad energy, no sense of being watched. It's happy to be home again. All I can think is that with our family's long history in my hometown and my dad's careful restoration, the spirit of my family has worked into the chair and was thoroughly unhappy with its new and unfamiliar home. It was trying to convey that to me with this negative, spooky energy without totally horrifying me because in the end, I'm still part of the family. On a final note, when the chair was still in my home, I had my first lucid dream. I was in a small, bright room with a lot of chatter and people around. I realized my nanny was there with me in the flesh, but with a sound mind. I took this opportunity to tell her that my sister's father and I all loved and missed her very much, and we shared a hug. I woke up crying and totally moved. To this day, it has been the most healing experience and the closest thing to closure that I've received.
Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I've experienced and continue to experience unexplainable things, no matter where I am or where I live. My story begins when I was three. This has stuck with me for so long and probably always will. I remember rising up from sleep, looking forward at the wall, and I see hovering in my room a person in all white with a bright aura around them. He had blonde hair and blue eyes. I felt no negativity and whatever it was seemed very peaceful. The creepiest part, though, was he looked exactly like my oldest cousin Kyle. My cousin Kyle is living in well, so I've always been confused by it. Whatever it was, it seemed to just watch and smile at me. Before I go any further, I must tell you I'm not religious, but I don't exactly believe there isn't anything. So I honestly believe it's possible this could have been a guardian angel of some sort. Of course, after some time, me being a three-year-old, I freaked out and screamed at the top of my lungs. As I did this, my dad rushed in, and the ghostly entity immediately shot straight up and disappeared. It has been gone ever since. Nine years later, I'm 12 years old and living in a new house. I could feel the dark energy within it. One morning, I woke up the exact same way as I did when I was three. Right across my bed is a futon couch. Sitting on this futon is a huge shadow figure in the shape of a guy, sitting very close, just watching me. I immediately became very terrified and ran past it and out of my room to my dad. Of course, once we went back into my room, the shadow man was gone. Luckily, my dad believed me, because he had his own experiences in this house things flying off the walls and his things missing or being placed somewhere else. To this day, I try to understand what it could all mean. I am currently living in a house where I hear spirits talk, make noises, and move things. We'll see what happens. I'm almost 30 and this happened when I was around 9. It took me a few years to find out the full story of what happened at my best friend's house. I grew up in a small town in Nova Scotia, Canada. Dee and I spent most of our time at her house, since most of the time, it was just her older sister Ray at home with her boyfriend Jake. 
D's bedroom door was off to the side, in front of their large staircase on the left, with Ray's door to the right. She had painted a large, faceless angel on her wall, in memory of her uncle, who took his life. On one of many nights that I stayed there, we heard weird noises coming from the wall, joining Ray's room. We just assumed that it was she and her boyfriend, mattress dancing, as we called it. D and I, only being eight or nine at the time, were trying to stop ourselves from being giggling girls because it was almost three in the morning and we shouldn't have been up. We didn't want to get in trouble. That was until Ray screamed, Say goodbye. And less than ten seconds later, she and Jake came bursting through Dee's bedroom door in a panic. Jake picked me and Dee up and started rushing us out of the house, crying and saying over and over again, Sorry. We got to the camper that they had outside, and that's where we spent the rest of the night. We asked what was going on, but there was no answer. So we left it at that. Until eight months later. Dee and Ray's grandmother got sick, so they went to British Columbia to take care of her. They decided to rent out the house to a family of five, a 17-year-old son and two girls aged eight and nine who were homeschooled by their mom, with their father being a long-haul truck driver. Almost four months in, the father called them to break the lease, as the house was affecting his family, mostly his two girls, who had been sleeping in what used to be Ray's room. The girls started to complain about whispers coming from the angel. It was keeping them up. Thinking that it was the girls' imagination, they painted over the angel, only for it to be back the next day. The girls' personalities started changing and becoming violent towards their mother. Their son had been suffering from nightmares of being tied to an old metal bed, but in what looked like a newer version of his room. They were affecting him to the point where he almost took his own life. I know that was a lot of information, but it all had to come out before we were told what really happened that night. Jake and Ray had found out that the house used to be a hospital back when the trains were still in use. They started looking around the older parts of the house that we had been told to stay out of, mainly the basement and the attic. They found what looked to be marks from old metal beds being dragged on the attic floor with rust-colored stains and pieces of old files, far too old to even read. Finding these, they thought that it would be a good idea to use a Ouija board to see if anything would happen. According to Ray, the first few times nothing happened and they left it be. But that night, Jake had an idea. The Ouija board didn't work before because we used it during the day, with only us in the house. We should try it at night, closer to the witching hour and it's perfect since your little sister is here with her friend. While Ray was telling us this, she started to cry. She kept repeating that she was sorry, and shouldn't have listened to him. Ray went on to say that, We started with normal questions. Is anyone here? Would anyone like to talk? And then it moved to yes. I thought that Jake was messing with me, trying to scare me, so I looked up at him, and his head was turned towards the painting. And it had your faces on it. You two girls, it was like switching between both of your faces. That's when the planchet moved again. It went to T, then H, then E, and then M. That's when I screamed goodbye and we rushed you both out. 
listening to Ray's story, I don't know what they let into that house, but I think it attached itself to that painting. They have since sold the house and moved. The owner tries to rent it out, but nobody stays in it for longer than three months before leaving. Even when no one is in the house, Ray's bedroom light will still turn on at 3 a.m. every night, and from the road, you can see that faceless angel. The cops were called to see if somebody had broken in, but upon inspection, the doors and windows were still locked. It happened so often that the owner has removed the light bulbs from the house when nobody is living there. I went back to visit my hometown and decided to go for a night walk, like I used to, and passed by the house. Like clockwork, 20 years later the light turns on and the angel looks out at the road where I'm standing as shadows move around the empty house. I do fear for the next family that moves in. Something was released into that house, and ever since that night, I've noticed things happening around me. My grandmother says I was always sensitive to the other world, and I should be thankful nothing attached itself to me. I have enough spirits to deal with since I started opening myself up more, but I always make sure that I'm protected. To quote one of my favorite podcasts, Faceless Angel or whatever was asking for me and my best friends as children, let's not meet. Hey guys, as promised, I'm writing in to share another paranormal story. This instance, however, is actively occurring. I hope you're comfy, as this will be lengthy, and I make no apologies for the tea I'm about to spill. This is my father's story. It's something he shared with me when I was maybe 16 years old. We were swapping paranormal stories and reminiscing over the haunted house I told you all about a few months ago. The house we were living in at the time was also haunted, which prompted our discussion, but that's another story. He was telling me about a dream he had as a young boy, and how it became a recurring nightmare for him over the years. In the dream, he was being chased through dense woods by something large. His pursuer was just feet behind him, and he was running so fast that he tripped over his own feet. As he turned to face what had been chasing him, he was horrified to see a large beast. He went on to describe the beast as having the legs of a goat, the torso of a hairy-chested man, and the head of a bull. He always woke up just as the creature reached down to pick him up. As my father was telling me the story, I can recall the air being charged. It was akin to the feeling of static electricity, as if someone had taken a balloon to the entire room and we were waiting for the pop to come the moment someone else walked through the door. It was creepy. He went on to tell me more of his paranormal experiences growing up, and I began to notice a pattern with his encounters. He told me about the time he and his uncles were playing hide-and-seek in his aunt and uncle's big house. They were using the house's intercom system to play. This was their way of tricking each other into thinking someone was in a specific room. As they were playing, 
they kept hearing whispering on the system, and it happened so much that they stopped playing altogether to solve the whispering mystery. The whispering sounded like chanting the more they listened. It led them to a room that was locked, and they did their best to find a way into the mysteriously locked room. I don't remember if he told me whether they had succeeded or not in their endeavor, but I do recall him saying there was a decaying smell coming from the room and that the whispering was no longer on the intercom, but coming from within the room. Later, when everyone had gone to bed, my father and his cousins were up giggling and whispering to one another when they were supposed to be sleeping. Suddenly, there was a huge crash against the window and knocks all over the room. They screamed as they ran to my aunt and uncle's room and desperately tried to open their door, a door that was unlocked but would not budge. My aunt and uncle woke up and tried with all their might to get to that door, but something was holding them down against their mattress with such force that they were being choked. When they were able to get up, the door swung open on its own, and my family tore ass out of there. They never went back for their belongings. The thing is, it wasn't the house that was haunted. My father began having that nightmare after this instance occurred, and it wouldn't be the last time he experienced something like that. Something was in that house, and I firmly believe it follows my dad around. As a teen, my father was rebellious. It was the 90s, and the satanic panic was still affecting communities. My father and his friends thought it would be funny to use a Ouija board. What started out as playful teasing quickly turned into abject horror when the planchet went crazy and flew off the table. He didn't give me any more details about that night, and I could tell it still bothered him. He told me that he still had that nightmare though, and it made me wonder if the experiences we had at our prior house were caused by whatever was haunting my dad. It made sense because the beast in his dreams looked exactly like what I had seen in the window. I feel it's important to note that throughout my father's life, he has survived instances by nothing short of a miracle. He's been shot, stabbed, brutally beaten with a brick, survived a torn artery, and even passed out at the wheel when driving on an overpass and wrecked, all before he turned 30. He likes to joke that his guardian angel and death are always fighting one another for his life. However, I don't think it's death his angel is fighting. After my father and I had that talk, weird things began to happen to me. I would feel anxious all the time, irritated, depressed, you name it. The house felt volatile in a way. Everyone was always fighting when my parents were home. Always. My sisters never got along, and as the eldest, I was always playing mediator. It was so stressful. But when it was just us kids at home, we got along great. Sure, there would be some disagreements, but they were minor. But as soon as my parents were home, specifically when my dad was home, that weird energy would come back. It was so tense. Everyone walked on eggshells. You never knew what would happen. At night, when my dad would work his night shifts, my sisters and I would often hear walking down the hall, but this wasn't a negative energy. I think the ghost of the house was checking in on us, just as the last ghost did. 
Much like the last house, the only place we felt peace was in one room, and this time it was our bedroom. We never felt alone in the house. It always felt like eyes were on us. It made us feel paranoid at times. We lived out in the middle of the woods, and there was an ominous presence around us. It felt heavy. We started seeing shadow people, who I know to be attracted to fear, stress, anger, etc. When I moved out the first time, it was a relief. I was 18 then, and for a few months, I could sleep through the night. But circumstances changed, and I had to move back home. My sister Crystal had moved out as well, so it was just me and my three younger siblings living there with our parents. I slept on the couch in the living room so that my sisters could have their space, even though it vastly limited my privacy. My parents were and are night owls. They always stayed up late and would often get munchies throughout the night. Needless to say, my insomnia and I got super close. I'd lie awake in that dark living room, thinking I was going crazy because I could see something large standing in the hallway outside my parents' room. The volatile energy never left. It was always present, and sleeping in the living room gave me no peace. I always felt eyes on me, even when I was home alone. Our animals would suddenly get spooked and stare at empty corners, eyes wide with fear. My father didn't work nights anymore then, so he was usually home all the time. The activity amped up a lot due to this. I moved out before things started getting super weird. When my now husband and I would visit my family, my dad would tell us all of the weird things he experienced, and my siblings and mom would corroborate his stories with tales of their own. My parents moved into my sister's old room, switching places with them. Emma had moved out, so it was just the younger two at home. The room we once felt peace in no longer felt peaceful, and my parents' old room became the space that felt peaceful. Coincidence? I don't think so. A shelf that was incredibly sturdy came crashing down one night in my parents' converted closet. My dad began to hear whispers, and he described feeling as though there were ants crawling around inside his skull. They heard deep laughter when they were alone in the house, and heavy objects on the walls would sometimes become projectiles. They would hear someone walking through the house and knocking on the walls, only to find no one around. They saw shadow people, not only in the house, but around the property as well. Being that I am a practicing witch, I decided to make my father a protective charm. I made a jar for him and a necklace. I blessed both to the best of my ability. But it didn't mean much in the domain of a presence that had been accumulating its power and growing its influence for years. That necklace ripped off my dad's neck. He took the charm off and placed it on top of the jar, which was working a little bit. The charm would get slapped off. He'd put the charm back. It would get slapped off again. He placed the charm back, securing it with a rubber band this time. The whole jar came flying off the shelf and broke. And boy, did I piss it off too. I had my own home by then, living with my husband and building our current tiny home. As I stated before, I am a practicing witch. I've been honing my craft for well over a decade. 
My home is my temple, and this little rascal had the audacity to intrude upon my space. It leached onto me without my noticing and smuggled itself into my home. I was cleaning my home as I always do, with gangster rap in the background and finishing off with a Palo Santo blessing. I was enjoying my day off and prepping for the new moon the following night. My dogs, who are generally calm and somewhat lazy, were anxious. They were whining and pacing, which caught my attention, of course. That isn't the way they usually behave. So I walked into my living room to see what was up. My days of listening to true crime did not make me a fool, and I'll be damned if someone comes up in my space. Wielding my bow staff, I checked the front window to see if anyone was outside. Nothing. I checked the other windows and rooms. Nothing. I walked back into the living room, and all the hairs on my body stood on end. A static charge shot through the house. My dog suddenly ran to a corner, and all the pictures I had hanging up fell at once. Shocked, I hung the pictures back up. Then, right as I placed the last picture, they all fell again. That's when I knew it had followed me home. So I opened all the windows and doors. I opened every cabinet and drawer. I lit frankincense and grabbed my cedar cleansing bundle. I lit it and prepared myself for the spiritual cleansing my home now required. I began my ritual and walked through my home. Now, it was nothing mystical or anything like that. I quite literally told it that it was not welcome in my space and to get the hell out. And it got out. I told my dad about this happening, and he went on to tell me that things were getting worse. His health was declining, and he blamed the energy of the property for it. They began planning to move and start over somewhere else. They moved to a new home sometime last year. Now it's just my youngest sister there. I haven't talked to them in a while, but I suspect that whatever it is that is feeding off my dad followed them to their new home because my youngest sister reports strange things still happening every now and then. I told you this story was lengthy. I tried my best to fit my dad's 42-year lifespan into one email. He has a lot going on, and I wish whatever it is that has haunted his dreams and life would leave him alone. I'm not sure why it chose my father, and I've become comfortable with not knowing why. But I do know he's been told by a couple of holy men that the devil is after him. I don't believe in the devil, but I know evil exists. What it wants with my daddy, I don't know. I just wish it would end. People had been living here long before our ancestors arrived on this hillside. There are the remains of a Stone Age village on the ridge and a Bronze Age burial site on the lakeside. The first seasonal dwellings of my ancestors were here in the 1550s, and year-round farmstead can be seen in maps from the 1700s. My seven-times great-grandmother moved to another county before the current farmhouse was built. Under the new house, built in 1856, 
there are foundations of at least one earlier dwelling. After an inheritance dispute, the farm was sold and changed hands several times over the years. When I bought the homestead, it had been mostly empty for 20 years or longer, providing housing for the migrant farm workers a month each year. There are a couple of patches of gunshot embedded in what is now and probably at times before was the main bedroom. A lady who grew up in the house in the 1960s mentioned she and a couple of cousins having played with the spirit board had some kind of experience. She said, But I knew where my dad kept his shotgun and ammo. We didn't see any ghosts after that. We don't need to talk about the various bankruptcies and headfirst dives into wells of the various owners in between. We don't need to talk about how a few times during the three years of renovations, my father would ask, did you see that odd-looking dog come inside? Or how I would at times find a hammer or a saw right around the corner from where I would need them, having no knowledge anyone having left them anywhere but the tool shed. Old far cousin Jake, visiting after we had completed the remodeling of the main building, said that he could feel our ancestors smiling over the work that I had done for the old house. Any knee-high characters I might see scurrying across the door from the other room, from the corner of my eye, are just optical illusions. But all that is by the by. My husband has a bit of ADHD. We have discovered that his hyperactivity will subside and let him relax when he is securely but comfortably restrained. Unable to do anything else, he will doze off for about half an hour and wake up invigorated and refreshed. So we do that sometimes when he's especially stressed from work or otherwise feeling tense. On this occasion, I had again restrained him on the bed and left him to enjoy the rest. I am reading in the living room as I often do. The bedroom door is cracked open a bit so that I can keep an ear on him and intervene if something is going badly. After a while, I hear him breathing a bit more heavily than usual. The noises intensify, beginning to resemble those that I hear when we do something quite different with him restrained in the bed. After a few minutes, it gets quieter without reaching any kind of climax. I continue reading. He continues resting and relaxing on the bed. After perhaps 45 minutes, he calls me and I gently undo his blindfold and restraints. He remarks, I did not expect you to come and caress me like that, but it was nice. I probe for more details. I didn't hear you enter the room, but I did notice you sitting down on the bed next to me. You don't usually sit on that side of the bed, though. Judging by the dips in the mattress, you sat there for a while, then bent over to watch me for a while. At some point, I felt you touching me very softly, caressing me here and there, not quite the same way that you usually do. It was very nice. Of course, he could have been having some hypnagogic hallucination. He hasn't reported any kind of those at other times, though. He goes on to say, Who else could it have been? The depression of the mattress was not as deep as usual when you sit by me. You weren't on the same side that you usually are, and you were really gentle with your touch. You must have really missed me this week. We decided eventually that people just experience things they don't have any explanation for. My husband is a science teacher, I'm an engineer, and we're more or less agnostic materialists. 
anything that interacts with the physical world must necessarily have physical existence and be accessible to the scientific inquiry. We would both like evidence of what is called supernatural. This experience and some others like it are intriguing but not compelling. We try to keep an open mind and keep waiting for more. So did you have a good fourth? I sure did. I wish I didn't have to leave California so soon. We could have kept hanging out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun having you here. Well, I had both sides of my family here after you left, so I'm exhausted. I don't like having company for more than like one night. And when you came to stay with us, that was perfect. Just one night in and out. Um, We watched some Black Mirror, shot the BB gun, ate some fruit right off the tree and had like a good old fashioned country boy time. It was really nice. Yeah, it was Clean, simple living. I don't even think we had a beer, did we? We may have had like one single beer. Maybe. We went to bed at like 10. Yeah, we're like, we don't need this. We just fell asleep watching TV. Yeah, classic. I love it. We didn't do anything that we wanted to do as far as productive stuff. And that's okay. We'll get around to it. Our fourth was cool, aside from just too much family. It was just too much. But uh, it's still good. It's good to have them. Um, People are still setting off fireworks here. It's been going on all week. Um, the fourth sounded like a war zone from a movie. It was completely unbelievable. I have a video I'll post it on the Patreon of just how bad it was. Like not even silent for a second for it, all night, two to three hours, four hours straight. I wouldn't have expected that part of California to be so patriotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. I think they just want excuses to blow shit up. Let's face it. That's what most people celebrate the fourth for. Yeah. Um, The neighbors across the street actually had a fire engine outside with their lights on because they were setting off those big illegal aerial fireworks. Those are legal here. People were doing those in my neighborhood. Like half the neighborhood was launching shit up into the sky. Yeah. That's so dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, we used the water hose to just soak our our roof because we knew it was going to be like so bad. Mm -hmm. People kept warning us. Everyone in the neighborhood kept warning us how bad it gets out here. Wow. And so, yeah, we just soaked the our roof and our grass as much as we could that night because i mean all it takes is one little spark landing on top of your roof you know hitting a dead leaf to start a fire and that like right across the street they were setting them off and then as soon as the fire trucks left there was another house down the road that started doing the same exact thing it was non-stop the craziest fourth of july i've ever experienced And that's weird because in theory, these are all grown adults in the neighborhood deciding to do this, but whatever. Yeah. When I was a kid, I really liked disassembling the Piccolo Pete's. Remember those? Oh, yeah. I was, I think I remember doing that. Yeah. You like take off the bottom base. Here I am teaching people to make bombs on the podcast, but whatever. (laughs) You take off, you take off the bottom base and then you hammer out the uh, like orangish powder or maybe it's the white powder. I don't remember, but you hammer it out until it changes colors. Then you reassemble it with tape and then stuff it in a bottle, and then boom. It's so much fun. Yeah, I did that when I was 12 all the time. I don't think that I did it, but I think that the bad kids that I was with did that. Was it bad? 
I don't know. We we also shot bottle rockets at each other. I don't understand how and why people do that. I don't know. Like I get hit by a sparkler and I start crying. There's no way. Yeah, I don't know. I, we did wild things when we were kids. I can't believe some of the stuff that I did, especially for how much of a Chucky Finster I am now where everything's not such a good <laughs> idea to me. <laughs> I like that chunky, chunky Finster. <laughs> chunky Finster thick. But yeah, I like the, the Chucky Finster um, yeah, simile. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to give a big shout out to Lily for sharing her story about her grandmother's chair. Uh, I lost my grandmother this year to dementia as well. And it was hard because I was close to her. She was basically as close as my immediate family. And we spent the majority of my childhood at her house nearly every day. We were picking cherries from the cherry tree, making tea, playing board games, watching Wheel of Fortune. She always called it the wheel. And Mm -hmm. she and my mom would cook like some real good Southern comfort food. And it was basically a Norman Rockwell painting period of my life. No matter how rocky life was outside of that, it seemed like all my worries just went away when we would go to my grandma's house. Did you have that experience too? Yeah. As soon as you mentioned Wheel of Fortune, memories came flooding back. I would stay at my great grandparents' house. So I'd have a bunch of memories of watching Price is Right, followed by, yeah, I think it was Young and the Restless with that piano intro, the dun, I'm not going to do it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> it was great, yeah. Soap operas, Wheel of Fortune, and then in between I would watch my Nick Jr., Eureka's Castle. Yeah, I would always, because they had like three TVs in their house with cable and we didn't have cable or anything like that. So I, that's that's why I watched all of my, my snick. Um, but among the items that I'll be receiving from her, like... Uh, the author got the chair, was her acoustic Yamaha guitar. I only ever played it a few times in my life because she liked to keep things like that tucked away most of the time. But it was the first guitar I ever even strummed. And I'm kind of curious to see if there ends up being some kind of energy attached to it, like we hear about in a lot of these stories. Oh, I don't know. I'll keep you updated on that. <laughs> I hope so. Do you have any, uh, any, like anything that you've inherited from friends or family that have passed that you feel a strong connection with or maybe even like a presence? A presence is hard to say. I've never been sensitive enough to definitively identify any sort of otherworldly presence outside of my story with the three loud bangs. Yeah. But I have my great grandfather's Masonic ring that I'm very connected to and I experience frizzing whenever I look at it or put it on. Obviously, I'm going to ask you what the heck that is. (laughs) It's basically like involuntary chills. Essentially, I should look it up on Wikipedia, but yeah, it's like when you get, when you watch like an opera and you start crying or your eyes tear up, like, I don't even like opera. What's going on? Why, why are my eyes tearing up? Yeah. It's almost like that, but with chills, goosebumps, when you experience like a heightened sense of pleasure or I almost said arousal, but yeah, whatever it is, what it is. Um, (laughs) Sure. But it's interesting because it's involuntary when I look at his Masonic ring or put it on or anything like that. I can be brought to tears by mindfully consuming music or any other work of art for that matter, but I don't try to tap into my grandfather or feel any nostalgia when I'm in contact with the ring. It just happens out of nowhere. I'll get chills and goosebumps out of the blue. Um, Do I think that's paranormal? Eh, who knows? Probably not. It could just be my subconscious trying to reconnect with my grandfather. But either way, that's the only thing where I do experience that sort of involuntary presence or chill. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So was this the same great-grandfather as the cabin? Yeah, yeah. He built the cabin in the 60s, I believe. And 
we believe that we came in contact with him during that Ouija board session. Interesting. Yeah. So it would make sense that there was some kind of spiritual energy attached to the ring. I can see that. I do have a question for you, though. Um, do, can you give yourself goosebumps on command? Yes. Me too. A lot of people can't do yeah. that. Yeah. I like, I just kind of take like a slow, deep breath and it just, I just feel it. I can just give them to myself anytime. I thought it was like a magical power I had when I was a kid. I, Me too. I remember like getting <laughs> ASMR for some of the first times in my life. Like a teacher would hover over my shoulder and like turn the pages and teach me things i'd start getting these chills and feel so good I'm like oh this is amazing and then yeah same yeah I, just by thinking about it i can have goosebumps or some chills arise in my body but i think it's more telling when you're not hyper focused or meditating on something or in some sort of spiritual element mm-hmm. and that sensation happens yeah i can actually i actually do it when i'm do, taking my blood pressure you know as you know i'm watching my blood pressure right now welcome to being old uh but i can do it while i'm taking my blood pressure and it'll go down like i'll take it i'll do it a couple of times and then i'll take it again and my blood pressure goes way down it's weird it just relaxes me have you heard of those monks that are able to meditate and raise their body temperature like out in the snow they can just focus and raise their body temperature i haven't heard about monks doing that but i i do know you know about wim hof the quote-unquote ice man that, can, that, mm. that does that and he's done it yeah. like on live tv that's amazing yeah wim hof is great just breathing techniques in general mm-hmm. um I like all the the ice bath stuff. I thought it was just a gimmick, and it probably is to an extent. Um, but yeah, I like ice baths. I like deep breathing, all of that stuff. Me too. But the, the temperature meditation is is really cool. Um, I don't know the full story behind it. This is just the top of my head. But yeah, long story short, maybe it wasn't even monks, but there are people that can meditate and raise the temperature like in their fingers and toes by several degrees. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh yeah, I was reminded about something you were talking about the cabin with your grandpa Ouija boards yes so the faceless angel story that was kind of like the last nail in the coffin for me regarding Ouija boards (laughs) I don't think that I'll ever allow myself in the same room as one again I'm convinced that nothing good can come of it wow that's the story that brought you there yeah that was the one it was just like this is the this is it I've heard so many bad stories about them and I can't recall Hmm. too many good stories I went to Amazon and I looked at reviews for Hasbro's board game version of Ouija board. And I was thoroughly entertained with uh, the comments and reviews, particularly this one, if you want to hear it. The reviewer who clearly has a sense of humor says, it's not fancy, but it is what it is. I like that the board is small enough to fit inside the box without the fold you see on many game boards. That would have ruined the feel for sure. The planchet is cheap plastic, but I think it's fitting for the price and also for the camp appeal of an inexpensive mass-produced board game that is supposed to put you in communication with the spirit world. There are no instructions or other materials inside the box apart from the board and the planchet unless you count the lightweight cardboard tray that keeps them in place, blah, blah, blah. Everything the manufacturer wants to tell you about your new Ouija board is communicated on the outside of the box. The spin is a lot more Magic 8-Ball. Fun at a tween sleepover than the open a portal to another dimension and summon supernatural entities. Still, I wasn't able to find any mention of the product on Hasbro's website. It simply wasn't there. Rubbing elbows with Scategories and Peppa Pig Monopoly. (laughs) Mind you, this is the same site where they have Risk and something called the Lie Detector Adult Party Game for ages 16+. plus. 
I noticed the age recommendation on the Ouija board is eight plus. I've noticed that too. Yeah, which sounds about right if they're hoping to spawn a paranormal activity reboot, as the reviewer says. (laughs) Uh, They go on to say that the gameplay was pretty exciting. I set it up and played alone while I waited out an excruciatingly long antivirus update on my computer. Thanks for the detail. (laughs) In no time, I had a compelling message from beyond. P.R. The third spin landing on a featureless blank area of the board. Encouraged, I kept playing. The wealth of insight and wisdom coming through the oracle was truly astounding. Receiving such proclamations as LT, yes, moon, and BR9MQFHD4. <laughs> Fresh off of that towering success, next I tried to meet somebody. I was hoping for somebody like HP Lovecraft, Aleister Crowley, or maybe even Sorel Brooke, who I had to look up, who is uh, just an actor. Um, but instead, I communicated with an entity I believe to be a manifestation of Ellen Burstyn, who is still alive. I think that's how you say her last name. Uh, She had plenty to say about the back injury that she suffered while filming The Exorcist. All in all, this has been a great game so far, and I wouldn't hesitate to trust its input while making important life decisions, like whether I should move to Indiana, take up snorkeling, or try the new sugar-free incarnation of my favorite citrus soda. I love that. I'm a bit of a Amazon reviewer myself. I try to sprinkle in some humor as well. I like how they mentioned the, the sugar-free soda. It made me think of those gummy bears. Have you heard of those? The sugar-free gummy bears that make you <laughs> sit on the toilet for quite some time. <laughs> no, look I haven't those, heard Look of those that. up real quick. Has, okay. not, not Hasbro. There's like a, what's that candy company? It's like Hasbro. It's like Hasbro. It's like the same yeah, name. What is that's it? That's so funny. Wow. Okay, I looked it up. It's Haribo or Haribo, (laughs) H-A-R-I-B-O. Yeah, check out the sugar-free reviews of those. Bears. Laxative. Okay, yeah, when I Google it, it says laxative. (laughs) Yeah. This is going to lead me down a long road of reading nightmare uh, diarrhea stories. (laughs) I love it so much. That is strange, though. Eight and up for a Ouija board. That is either the parents don't care or they don't believe in it. Yeah, they just obviously don't. (laughs) There's no other. Yeah. I don't think any parents are encouraging their eight year olds to get involved with the occult or anything like that. I did try looking for it on the Hasbro website. I did some sleuthing, and the only thing I could find was this weird page with a link to the game's manual. There's nothing else. And the manual isn't in English, it's just this single image. It's really weird. I'm wondering is Hasbro scared to sell their own board game on their website? next to hundreds of different versions of Monopoly that they've tried to pawn off on us. Well, I just Googled site colon Hasbro.com space Ouija or Ouija, whatever. Yeah. Is it Ouija or Ouija? I I hear Ouija a lot. Yeah. It's like Celtic and Celtic. There was a story I narrated. I didn't know which one to use, but (laughs) whatever. And yeah, there's quite a bit on here. But again, yeah, I'm only seeing these rules and instructions. Yeah. But nothing like... Back in 1935, Tommy Cummingwell Hasbro created the portal to the other, you know, nothing like that. So yeah. I don't know what's going on. They're trying to stifle their own history here. Yeah, I don't know what they're not telling us. I need to look into it more. Let's email them and demand an answer. Yeah. we Hasbro, if you're listening to this, if anybody that works for Hasbro, let us know why it isn't advertised and sold on your website like all the other games. What's What are you hiding? You might be happy to hear that we have a lot of listeners that share our Myers-Briggs type. 
several ENFJs and INFPs wrote in to say that they feel heard and they have a connection to us more than before. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I saw just a few on like Spotify Q&A as well as Patreon. I have a list here. I'll just go through the ones that I found. It was Perlita is an INFJ. Ashley is an INFP. Jude is INFJ. Luna is INFJ dash T. What's that? Uh, turbulent. Assertive versus turbulent. Oh. Too much to get into, but yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> Catherine's uh, <laughs> ISFJ dash A. Rosalind was INFP. And Malswald is INFJ dash T. I didn't actually see any ENFJs. Did we get those in emails or something? Uh, yeah, Instagram DMs. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, I was actually kind of sad. Is it is was it extremely ENFJ of me to be sad that I didn't think we heard back from another like me? I don't know. Maybe. It could be the F. Your feelings could be overwhelming you with isolation and not being heard. But now it's okay. Yeah. So, But thanks, everybody, for uh, writing in, letting us know your types. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. It was a good episode. Uh, this week, you have heard The Hat Man by Creepy Kayla, The Chair by Lily, Heaven or Hell by Joe, Faceless Angel by Cat, My Father's Demon by Nikki, and finally, Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Moose Hill. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you got a story to share, make sure you send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon to support the show if you want to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience. You'll find it at patreon.com forward slash odd trails. Also, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts like Let's Not Meet a True Horror Podcast and Welcome to Paradise Itself at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you all next week. Everyone stay safe. Peace out.